Next on BYU Sports Nation, synchronized blue goggles. What would a win over Utah on Saturday mean for all of BYU Sports Nation? Do BYU's chances at Utah increase with a higher scoring or low scoring game? Plus, he found his guy. It's about time we find him again. The last quarterback to win in Salt Lake, John Beck, joins us. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, November 20th, wherever and however you are connected, Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who drafted all of the Los Angeles Rams for his fantasy football team. Things are going well for Jerem Jordan. Listen, that was an incredible game last night, one in which your boy Daniel Sorensen was involved in. Uh, but the highest-scoring Monday Night Football game last night, third-highest-scoring game in the history of the NFL. Going back to 1966, I believe. Yeah, pretty crazy. Unreal on Monday Night Football. We have a new desk. Even better, I was going to say, is we have a brand new desk in Studio B. This is our second desk ever, so this is kind of a big deal for us. Uh, it, it looks pretty cool. I, I like it. It's more spacious. I'm a little further away from you. I, I don't know how I feel about that quite yet. but <laughs> Let the emotions of that sink in after an entire show, and yeah. then we can have a discussion about it after. Yeah. I, I'm enjoying this. It's, it's shiny. It's new. It's the new toy. It's the Zach Wilson. We call it the Zach Wilson. Didn't you get a new computer, too? I this did get a week new... of new things hey, for Jerem. Yeah, today I have a new computer as well. Thanks <laughs> to our IT guys hooking me up. That's great. <laughs> they just said, good. it's time for a new computer. And I said, good. okay. Your fantasy football team's winning. You got a new computer. You got a new desk. I don't know how my fantasy team did. I'd barely check it, honestly. I'm one of those guys. <laughs> to me, fantasy is like dwarves and wizards and stuff yes i'm like oh fantasy yeah you choose lord of the rings over like lord, of the rings. Yeah. lord of the fantasy football team right yeah is our okay. director scott hale today is that who's directing if it he's, is he's never he he hasn't watched lord of then the rings. we're in for a great he, show neither, scott neither greg no. rubel hasn't either i'm like dude watch it come on it is good but do it on your own timetable yeah. Do no, it. do it right now during the show. <laughs> on, on the clock. <laughs> he just told us in our he's watching 11, right now. <laughs> 11 hours later, you'll finish the extended version. We now present today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football on a trip to Mordor. Full steam into <laughs> rivalry week. Yes, against the Orcs. With eyes on breaking a seven-game losing streak. The Cougars prepare to face the team up north. You know what? Utah does a lot of things well, like, I don't know, running the football. The Utes ranked 38th in the country in rushing offense. BYU defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki says it all comes down to this. We've got to stop the run first of all, and we've got to limit uh, limit their their big plays, limit their shots that they, they end up taking, and uh, I think that we'll be we'll be in a good spot. We do that. Coverage on Saturday begins with countdown to kickoff starting at 9 p.m. Eastern, live on BYU TV. Utah's the number one rush def- uh, offense in the Pac-12, so that will be a challenge. BYU men's hoop signed Bernardo da Silva, a six-foot-nine forward from Brazil, while playing for the Utah Mountain Stars during the summer of 2018. Da Silva averaged 15 a game, nine boards, two and a half blocks. BYU hosts Rice tomorrow, 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Ready. BYU women's basketball travels to face. 
the Utah State Aggies tonight in Logan. Game time set for 9 p.m. Eastern. The women's team also announced the signing of Leilani Otuafi and Kyra Beckman. Otuafi, a 5'9 guard from Nevada, averages 12 points, 5 rebounds, and 3.4 steals per game. While Beckman, a 6'1 forward from Washington State, averages just about 15 points and 9 rebounds per game. And top-ranked BYU women's volleyball, still number one, 11th week in a row in the ABCA poll. Finishes the regular season tonight at LMU. The Cougars are going for that perfect regular season. Cougars 27-0 right now. Watch it on the W.TV at 10 Eastern time. Can you dig it? We can. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. We all know about the seven-game losing streak to Utah, dating back to 2009. We all know that Utah is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite because we told you that yesterday. And when BYU has been a two-touchdown underdog on the road this season, it has worked out pretty well. Two and two, but... I'll take two wins there. Wins at Arizona, at Wisconsin, and you're two yards away from making it three and one with a win at Boise State. Throw the ball. I bring this up because I want all of you to tell me, specifically, Jerem, if BYU wins this rivalry game in this common theme road scenario where they have played well this year, then what? Then it makes 2018 a memorable season. I think right now this season is defined by a single game, and it's that BYU beat Wisconsin on the road. Okay. Um, Other than that, I I don't think it's going to be a memorable season. Okay. You don't often remember the six or seven winners. You know what I mean? Uh, that six-win season was very memorable. No, it's not. Um, if BYU beats Utah, sat, snaps the streak, finally does it, then you remember 2018 as the year that BYU rebounded, mm-hmm. that they beat Utah, that they did it, that they climbed back into this. Because let's be honest, the, the independent era has, be, has been defined for BYU by the following, not beating Utah and not winning you know, 10 games more than once, which was the first year, and it was the easiest schedule BYU's played. So if BYU beats Utah, it becomes a memorable season now. If BYU beats Utah, then the curse of Max Hall is broken, right? Is it the curse of Max Hall? Like, you think it's Max Hall's fault? The I don't think. Post- I do not think that it's Max Hall's fault. I don't fault, think it's Max Hall's fault that someone didn't block, you know, in 2010 and 12 for BYU to make field goals. Or in 2016 to get a two-point conversion. I say that in jest because how it turns out is after Max beat Utah in 2009 and went on his rant, since then BYU has suffered some unbelievable bad luck against Utah in a few of these games. And people are superstitious, and they'll point to this. No, I don't think it's Max Hall's fault, but it will be nice to put an end to such rhetoric. That's what I want that's what I'm excited about happening if BYU beats Utah. As that curse goes away, the losing streak goes away, and then all of a sudden there is juju moving forward. Not just to the bowl game, but to seasons forward. I think we need to dub over Max's comments. Like, I love Utah. I love everything about them. And then maybe that gives us the right amount of juju or something. Yeah, they're all classy. <laughs> <laughs> No one poured beer on my parents <laughs> last year at the game. It just creates positive momentum moving forward. I, I can't tell you how much relief there would be for all BYU fans. And I, perhaps I have overlooked all of this, Jeremy, in answering this question. It would give us all a reason to say, shut up, Daryl! Right? The ultimate yeah, right. exclamation point. Yeah. Right, right now it's just, like, sad. I think BYU fans are like, ah. 
We're not going to win this game. And, and that's probably an accurate assessment, but like we said yesterday, outside in the cold, what if BYU wins this game and shows up and spoils the party? It would be even more meaningful, right? It'd be awesome. Okay, riddle me this. Is it better for BYU to have a, a high-scoring game or a low-scoring game on Saturday? Now, this is clear to me. Low-scoring benefits BYU. When was the last time you felt like the BYU offense over the last three years, outside of the one Toledo game, could get into a shootout and beat the opponent? based on how the offense is set up and what we've seen over almost three entire seasons. Yeah, during the Kalani Sitake era, the offenses have not been very dynamic. And that was even with Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. One time. Who were hamstrung by the scheme, in my opinion. One time, BYU has gotten into a shootout and it ended well. Or a high, even had right. the opponent score high. Right. Okay? I, well, I, I think uh, the West Virginia game in 2016 is another example where BYU throws a pick, but if they go down and score a touchdown, that's another shootout win. But yeah, 35-32. Right. There haven't been that many. To me, if you're in the 30s, both in the 30s. That's, that's probably that's, a shootout. Yeah, I think that's, that's a, a good line. That's sure. a good line. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm with you. It's low. Utah is 7-0 and in scoring 30-plus this year. So that would be a bad thing to get in a shootout with them because Utah's defense is legit. They give up 18 and a half a game. Uh, BYU has scored 24-plus in six games this year, by the way, but two of the four Power 5 games, and those were the two they won. So BYU's had to put up 28 and, uh, I believe, 24 uh, to be able to win. Okay, Against Power 5 competition, BYU's averaging a 32-19 loss this year. So it's Washington kind of blows that up a little bit. But, but Cal was low-scoring, and there's no way this is high-scoring on Saturday. There's no way. It's in the snow. I just don't see both teams scoring a lot. BYU I know is that a Utah ball scored... control offense. Yes. They're going to try and slow things down a little bit. They're going to try and limit some of the offensive possessions that Utah will have. Zach Wilson, despite playing New Mexico and UMass, has two touchdown passes the last, what, three games? It's been tough. It's been tough. So and I don't see BYU getting into a shootout or winning that shootout. They need to keep it low, in my opinion. This is a, this is a 20s and under game. It needs to be low. It needs to be low this if BYU a, has any chance of winning this game. This is a YSA game. Under 30. Okay, maybe one team <laughs> gets to 24, and that's your winning team, right? But if BYU yeah. can keep Utah to low 20 scoring, then they've got a shot. They've and, got a and, shot. and I wonder if BYU can get into the 20s on offense against this defense. BYU's defense is playing really well, by the way. The, BYU's defense is on par with Utah in terms of kind of the numbers they're putting up. Utah's kind of in the top 15 in a lot of categories. BYU is 23rd or 25th in some scoring defense, total defense, yards per play. It's going well right now for BYU's defense. How much better is Utah compared to Boise State? Because I look at what BYU has done recently, and I'm trying to find I think a game defense. that could be somewhat similar to the situation they're walking into on Saturday, which is, hey, you're playing a pretty good offense. You're playing on the road against a team that hates you. Their fan base hates you, and they're nationally ranked. Boise State, all of those things. How much better is Utah than Boise State? I think Utah's defense is, is a grade above better than Boise State. Agreed. Yeah. Is Utah's offense as good as Boise State's? I think it's equal, too. I okay. really do. Okay, and so they played tough competition. Therein lies the difference. So Utah's got an A-minus defense compared to Boise's B defense. And they both have B-plus B offenses. Yeah. I don't think Boise Something like that. Yeah. Okay, to me, it's, can BYU do what they did at Boise? Make it a low-scoring affair. 21-16 is how that one turned out. Don't jump out slow, though. That's another jump out slow situation. Oh. All right, Jerem. 
Uh, while BYU and Utah prepare for the football fiasco on Saturday night, <laughs> quietly, Let's hope it's not that number one ranked BYU women's volleyball is one win away from closing out a perfect regular season. They are twenty-seven and zero. They play at LMU in Los Angeles tonight. This has us thinking and asking. Is BYU volleyball in its current form the equivalent or more dominant than Alabama in football? I think it's equal to. They're undefeated. They've been number one for 11 weeks in a row. They've beaten the top three team like Alabama beat LSU. I think totally. In fact, the domination goes to how they've played, which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. UA has 21 sweeps in 27 matches. <laughs> 21 sweeps. Like, that is Those legit. are blowouts. Those are blowouts. Alabama has a lot of blowouts. BYU women's volleyball has a lot yes. of blowouts. Yes, and the scoring in volleyball is super weird. Can you imagine in basketball if they were like, okay, we're going to play first to 25, win by two, and then we're going to stop. <laughs> and then we're going to play best of five of that. And if we go to a fifth, it's overtime. We'll just play to 15, best of two. It's weird scoring. So BYU could have won by two in all of those, you know, and whatever. But they're not. They're winning by eight and ten. BYU women's volleyball right now is a force that we have not seen at BYU in several years. I dare say we have to go back to the 99 men's volleyball team, who lost one time all year and won the national title, to have a team as dominant at their sport. BYU is 27-0, which means they've had to win three sets in those 27 matches. You do the math, that's 81 set wins. They've lost seven. They're 81-7. and seven. So compare that to football. That's like if you played 88 quarters, Alabama won 81 of the quarters yeah. and only lost seven of those quarters. Didn't the Citadel tie or win a quarter, though? Yeah. So along the way, <laughs> Alabama is going to tie or lose some quarters. BYU has also played a very difficult schedule this year, mostly up front, but they beat the current number two team in the country head-to-head, Yeah, and, which and, is why BYU has the majority of the first-place votes. They also won a true road match against now number 16 Marquette in a tournament there, and just above Marquette is USC. BYU beat the Trojans in Milwaukee, so they have beaten teams that have stayed relevant in the national rankings, three in the top 16 or 17. Let's hope that BYU is awarded what they should be awarded, which is a number one seed. Right now, BYU is fifth in RPI. If RPI is heavily weighted, and you know I don't like RPI, then that's bad for BYU because the Cougars play in the West Coast Conference, and there's not another really, really good team in the league. San Diego's good, but they're not the San Diego good they have been. Let's hope BYU is a one seed. I think they will be. If they're not, that would be really annoying because don't confuse the coaches' poll with the seeding on Selection Sunday, which is this Sunday. On October 31st, BYU was the top overall rated team by the Selection Committee. It is now three weeks later. How much can BYU have fallen in the Selection Committee's collective minds in a three-week span? I'll give you a couple of mitigating factors that will be on the minds of the committee. One, they're not playing with McKenna Miller anymore. How much does that impact how they look at the yes. overall product of BYU? Sure. Okay. And then how do they finish with the pressure of being number one in the, com- in the committee's mind? D- do they come out and live up to the hype? I mean, now you can't avoid knowing that you are the number one team and you're the favorite. Yeah, I think they're pretty aware about the ranking, but they don't care about the ranking. They care about quad one, RPI, strength schedule, all that stuff. The pressure's on, yeah. and so far they've performed. So they've been perfect. Yeah. They have no reason not to be a one seed. 
All right. Pressure's on BYU football as well this Saturday night. Kind of. I don't think they feel it quite as strongly as games in the recent past against Utah, but no question, anytime you play the Utes, there is pressure. Our question of the day, if BYU beat Utah on Saturday, then what? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Grizzfather on Twitter. When BYU is 7-5 and five with a chance to be 8-5, and five, which is a very decent season, stop their seven-game streak, have the monkey off their backs, and these players go down in why history as legends. We would remember this team for a long time. They broke the streak. They broke the, the streak. streak busters. We'll remember this team for the Wisconsin win, but I'm saying more like in 10 years, you would remember. Whoever ends the streak will automatically... They'll just be in the Cougar Club Hall of Fame. Be the whole a team. memorable team. <laughs> we'll just put them in. Boom. Coming up, what is it like having breakfast with Bracken L. Bakery? Lauren McClain finds out that it's not the, for the weak of stomach. And next, he was the last BYU quarterback to play and win at Rice-Eccles Stadium. He joins us next, John Beck. We find him on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. The official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tonight on BYU TV, Breakdown Cougar Football with Dave Blaine, Brian, and David on After Further Review. It's tonight at 7 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. Live from Studio B, this is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. You can listen to BYU and on demand by downloading the BYU Sports Nation podcast or watch it anytime you like. Visit BYUSN.com to experience the show whenever, wherever, and however you want. Or question of the day. If BYU beat Utah on Saturday, then what? At YFangirl underscore JB answers, then legend will tell of a legendary baby-faced warrior whose quarterbacking skills were the stuff of legends. He is baby-faced. I agree with that. I have a funny story to tell uh, about a tweet posted by Lisa Wilson, Zach Wilson's mother, uh, in reference to uh, a young lady wanting to give Zach her digits. She took a picture with him and then put a Post-it note on his shoulder pad so that he would find it later. And she said, now that's clever. Most people just DM him. <laughs> now in the post-it cold, note that's not going to stick. The Post-it note on the shoulder pad. Hey, Zach, can I get a picture? The cold? Yeah. Nice. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Yes, he is baby-faced. He is a teenager. Lay off. And, man, <laughs> could BYU ever use something from the baby-faced warrior on Saturday? You said yesterday you think he is the most vital he's part the, of the game. the Y factor for me. Yeah. Joining us now to discuss that, give us his opinion on that and much more, is a guy who was the last to beat Utah in Salt Lake City as a BYU quarterback. Rewind to 2006. You know it. Beck to Harleen. John Beck is with us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. John, welcome back to the oh, show. John? Hey, what's going on? It's been a while, guys. It has been a while, and we can't think of a better time to bring you on. BYU is a near-two touchdown underdog going into Salt Lake City uh, against Utah, a nationally ranked team, the Pac-12 South Division champs. We feel like the Cougars are playing with a nothing-to-lose mentality. How do you figure BYU matches up with Utah going into Salt Lake on Saturday? Well, I think it's definitely a challenge. I think it's already been, you know, they've known that Utah has a very good run uh, defense. And that could, you know, that could really make it difficult for BYU because I feel like the games when BYU has done its best 
is the games when it can get its run game working. And I've kind of seen these last couple of games, you know, there's a little bit of lull in the beginning of the game. They're trying to get some things going. And then I feel like you start to get a, you know, break a couple of runs and that really helps out then in the RPO game. And so, you know, I'm kind of curious to see how BYU is going to be able to utilize their run game against the Utah defense that, you know, is a very good run stopping defense. And I think that that will kind of then, indicate what happens beyond that because if you can't get a run game going it's difficult to get sometimes your play action game to be as effective not that it can't be effective but just may not be as effective what kind of difference do you think zach wilson could be in this game because this is an interesting one for him he grew up a ute fan he went to utah games forever right and here he is on the other side of this, yet he can make plays with his legs, and then we haven't quite seen his arm to its maximum potential quite yet, but I think he could have a huge impact on this game. What do you think? Yeah, I absolutely do. I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if um, he starts to, you know, maybe make some plays early in the game with his legs, and I'm not necessarily meaning just runs, but just his escapability. You know, he's a pretty elusive uh, runner when he's back there, just kind of All right, we're going to try and get John back on the line. Clearly we lost him right there. It is rivalry week. Beck to Harleen always comes up. It is those legendary iconic moments that BYU fans thrive on and quite frankly, we've been short on. We're looking for one of those this year. We're looking for yeah. a miracle. And it's unfortunate that Utah fans are running the phone lines either. Also, he's just cutting it short. John's about to give us this amazing answer. And uh, Daryl jumps on the horn and just transforms his way through that. Like Bumblebee was talking to us or something. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll get John on as soon as we can. You're right. I'm, I'm telling you, I think there's general angst in independence because BYU hasn't beaten Utah. So Utah goes to the Pac-12 and we all go, ah, that would be awesome, right? Pac-12 invite. Then the big... Or a Power 5 invite. There's a jealousy factor there, right? Independence is the best thing BYU could do right now. But the Big 12 thing happens. And then BYU gets, uh, no one gets invited. And we just feel silly. BYU hasn't finished ranked. They haven't beaten Utah. There's some angst. So if BYU, there'd be this sort of like release of independent stress, if you will, if BYU could beat Utah. Because it means, hey, what, there's no greater thing in sports than just beating your rival because it's like, we're better than you. And we know it, right? Like the quote from Dodgeball. BYU needs one of those. They haven't had those since 09. Yeah. So it feels, BYU just, there's kind of an inferiority complex right now. A win changes that feeling. It really does. Sure. And the the feelings of frustration are exponentially stronger when you look at how BYU has lost a bunch of these games in independence. Right. We'll we'll take a win no matter what. We would have taken a win on a two-point conversion two years ago. All right, John Beck is back with us after an incomplete pass on a 15-yard out. Um, he, he's ready to, to go back to work, John. <laughs> Let's get your thoughts uh, again, starting with just your overall impression of Zach Wilson as a 19-year-old kid going to Rice-Eccles Stadium. Uh, what do you think about what he has done this season for BYU to give you hope that maybe he can pull something off on Saturday night? I mean, I think Zach has a lot to him. It's been exciting to watch him step in and play as such a young guy, having such an impact and having success. You know, even the games that BYU has walked away not winning, I still feel like he's done a lot of good things in those games that's going to just continue to help build uh, him as a player. You know, the the weird thing for me is going to be, I shouldn't say weird, it's going to be weird for Zach 
because Zach's going to walk into that stadium, a stadium that means something to his family because that's where his dad plays. And I'm sure that he, you know, he grew up a Utah Ute fan. All of a sudden, he's going to walk in, and now he's the guy that's playing in blue. I, you know, I wonder what that feeling would be like. It'd be really interesting to, like, be able to be just inside Zach of what that feels like because, you know, he's been on the other side of the rivalry, but now all of a sudden he's playing for us. And I'm sure that, like, the dad's got a unique feeling. Like, I can't even imagine what it would feel like to have my kid being a Ute, you know? I mean, he's sitting right here next to me, but it's just like, what would that be like to have my son on the other side? So, you know, it's gonna, he's, he's probably going to feel this whirlwind of emotions, but he's going to want to put his foot down as who he is. You know, he's the starting quarterback of BYU, and he is laying a foundation for himself for years to come because he's going to be the guy there for a long time. So I think he's going to want to establish himself in the rivalry and say, look, I'm here, and I'm here to stay for the next years to get his best performance and I think to have the games that he's had before him it's going to prepare him well I could definitely see him making some plays not necessarily as you would see a veteran player do it but you would see a guy that's using athleticism playmaking ability and then just kind of this like uh the fire just kind of this like feeling that can motivate the rest of the team with him making some plays I like I said I, I don't know if you guys heard it when it cut out but I, I I can see him making some plays some critical first downs with his legs, running with it, or scrambling and finding some guys open. Let's hope he has a good game. And uh, Tanner Mangum beat Wisconsin on 89 yards passing. Who knows what the game plan uh, is, but hopefully Zach Wilson has a good day. Uh, tell me this. So BYU's lost seven in a row, right? When you went into the 06 game your senior year, there was a four-game losing streak to Utah. Did that pressure help you in any way going into that game knowing, okay, I'm extra motivated to prepare even better than I would before. Does that affect these players? Uh, I never felt the, like, pressure. I mean, I shouldn't say I never felt the pressure. Of course there's pressure and you feel it, but it wasn't because we lost four in a row. For me, it was more about, like, what happened the year before coming so close. And then also, uh, you know, when we lost in 4 at Rice-Eccles, I stayed out on the field for a while. Like, after we did our thing in the locker room as a team, you know, ended it, everybody's getting ready. I walked back out on the field, and I just sat there watching Utah, like, celebrate all their fans on the field. And I just was like, I'm not going to leave BYU without having something like this. Like, I'm going to do everything that I can. So I carried with me that feeling from my sophomore year, the feeling of the overtime loss. Those were the things that gave me motivation. It wasn't a, like, oh, man, we've lost four in a row. I don't want it to be five. That never even crossed my mind. Mine, it was more, these are the two experiences I have in this rivalry game, and this is the opportunity. This is my last opportunity in this game, so I want to go out and play the best that I can. Those are the things I carried with me. John Beck with us on BYU Sports Nation. Last man to beat Utah in Salt Lake City dating back to 2006. I will say this. I kind of feel like BYU can have the luxury of playing with a Nothing to lose attitude because they are such a heavy underdog. However, you juxtapose that with the seven-game losing streak. And so there are these crazy storylines kind of converging on Saturday night. What would your message to the team be if you were in the locker room right before the kickoff against Utah, knowing that, yeah, there's a streak there, but you're a two-touchdown underdog and go play loose? What would you say to them? I mean, I would just say, look, in rivalry games, none of that stuff ever really matters. You know, I, I don't know what we were favored my senior year, but it didn't matter. Um, and I can remember when I went up there as a sophomore, I, I, I want to say that we were probably double-digit underdogs, maybe even like 20-something point underdogs. And 
but yet the first half we played really close. So really in this game, everything just gets tossed out the window. It's how you feel about yourself and your team when you step out on the field. It's what do you believe can happen. And I would say if you can have the right mindset of what you believe can happen and then you can step on the field and play fearless, like, look, mistakes are going to happen. It doesn't matter. You play fast. You play fast. You wreak havoc. You, you make opportunities when they're there, and you don't play gun-shy, right? You're not in this to, like, not make mistakes. You're in this to win it, and you go out and you absolutely play to win. And that's what I would say. Every year on my birthday, John, my mother recounts the tale of my birth. So it is the the birth, if you will, day of uh, BYU and Utah back to Harleen. So remind us and tell us, what was the play call and what went through your mind as back to Harleen happened? Oh, you know what? Uh, so I, it's crazy. I probably, like, I'm, I can remember the play, and I believe it was ace flip 59. And I remember... What we thought we were going to get was we, we, we potentially thought we were going to get cover zero and that we'd be able to throw a, a little post in the back of the end zone to Zach Colley. Um, but as we broke and went to the field, Johnny Harleen came to me and said, look, hey, what do you want me to do? Because I'm kind of singled up on this side. And I just said, look, you know, if you get cover zero, look, I might take that fade to you again. Otherwise, just work to get open. That was kind of it. Almost like, look, we, like this may have to turn into backyard. And in the back of my head, because of the year before, I had remembered, like, I was kind of shuffling to the left the year before. And at that time, I wanted to make sure I got a ball off. I gave somebody on my team an opportunity. And when I went back and watched the tape, I realized they only rushed one guy or two guys. And I'm like, wait a second. I didn't need to get rid of the ball when I got rid of the ball. I could have bought some time with my legs. So when I jogged out on the field, I remember thinking, look, if they give this to me again where they think they're going to drop everybody – this year, I'm going to use my legs more. And, it, you know, I can avoid people. So that's kind of like the whole as I went and took the snap. And then when I took the snap, it's the weirdest thing ever. Something that I will always remember was I peeked back up at the clock. I saw the clock. I saw, I saw the score. And for every reason, there was just this, like, ultimate calm inside me. Like, I was just playing another play of football. Like, it literally just felt like another play. And, you know, then it was pandemonium once Johnny caught it. It was amazing. At what point did you see Johnny in that entire play, John? Uh, really, right as I started to move right, I saw him kind of, he had worked his way all the way to the left side, and I wasn't anticipating that. It's like, as I started right, I caught Johnny like, man, he's on the complete other side of the field, like working his way that way. And as I started to run right, I felt, so Bryce Mawika was like my last guy on the left side. And I could see the defenders next to him. And as Bryce ran with me, I felt the other defenders running with Bryce. And I realized, oh, my gosh, Johnny's going to come out of the back end of this thing. But I also didn't know how much room I had in front of me. So I had to take a quick peek of what was in front of me. And I realized, like, I, I don't have a lot of room. And I don't know. It's one of those things where, you like, all these thoughts go through your head. And it all happens in literally, like, hundreds of a second. And I knew I was going to have to jump and take a hit. And then the weird thing for me, though, when I threw the ball, I lost vision of where the goal line was. So I'm trying to, like, look through my legs because my legs were, like, going over the top of me. And as I'm looking through my legs, I see Johnny go to his knees, but I have no idea where the goal line is. And for a split <laughs> second, for a split second, I'm like, if he slid on his knees on the one or, like, right outside the goal line – but then when he stood up and threw his arms up, I knew he was in. 
But there was like that split second that I'm just like, if he had to go to his knees on like the one foot line, like, <laughs> oh my gosh, because I couldn't see the goal line. And then it was just crazy. Then it was just like jumping all over that everybody. And the other thing that blew me away was how quickly a TV camera was in my face. <laughs> like I could not believe it. Like I'm celebrating, and all of a sudden, uh, I, I swear it was the guy that did the KSL that had the big like red wavy hair, like. Uh, Yes. Almost like Conan. What, what, what was his name? Tom Kirkland. Tom Kirkland, right. And now, like he was out on the field asking me questions, and I'm like, what in the heck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, great stuff, great. man. We appreciate you recounting that. A split 59 for the win, man. Uh, we'll see you. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, and uh, hopefully we're enjoying uh, another legendary moment after Saturday. Yeah, it'd be great if we can get one. Hoping we can. Thanks, John. John Beck on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. I've just got a big, goofy, goofy grin thinking about that play. You and I are on the sideline. I've got a picture of that in my house. Like, it's bigger than any picture of my family, I'll be honest. <laughs> Coming up, does Micah Simon care if there's snow on Saturday? Um, I can tell you what I care about. Steak, sausage, and tater tots. And that's just the start of Brackenell Bakery's loaded breakfast. Between the Lines is next with an 8,000-plus calorie diet. This is BYU Sports Nation. Hi, Lauren. BYU men's basketball continues a six-game homestand against Rice tomorrow night. 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Joining us now as we get ready for Rivalry Week into fill our hunger on rivalry week is lauren mclean i can't think of a better way to fire things up than just food we're and, getting right into it today yes oh uh, absolutely caught me off are. guard oh, let's not do this time let's After go back to harleen we're, we, we are ramped to... up let's go <laughs> Split we're not messing around anymore no. guys well you know brackenell bakery <laughs> phenomenal <laughs> the heavens <laughs> my... yes avatar okay Mm-hmm. Great guy. Great guy. So he had to gain quite a bit of weight before the season started to be ready for his position on the defensive line. So he took us through what goes into his 8,000 calorie diet. And yes, to our dismay, fire was involved. So let's go between the lines. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines. Hi. I'm Lauren McLean. Today we're going to be talking about the 8,000 calorie diet. And for my special guest, we have here with us Bracken Elbeckery. Bracken, tell us about it. How the heck is everybody? All right. <laughs> you know, uh, today we're going to be gaining a lot of weight. We're putting on some, so uh, <laughs> unstrap your belts. We're eating today. I'm worried. Would you like to I would love some chocolate. Okay. Let's go to the fridge. Let's go to the fridge. What we have here, we have salsa. Very important. We have this. This. This is gross. You don't want that. That's disgusting. We have whole milk. Very important. Eggs. Meats of all kinds. Pork. Beef. And chicken. And all kinds of stuff. So let's get ready to go. Let's do this. We're just gonna make a typical breakfast. First, we, we need steak and or chicken, eggs, sausage, butter, very important ingredient, and a protein shake, very important. Okay, I love it. How do you, what do you start with first? Yeah. So let's take some milk. It's all about guesstimation. So you're like, let's get up to about the range, three, four cups range. Is this one shake we're making here? We're making one shake. Then you take your, uh, your mix here, you see what that says, 19,000 calories. Wow. Look at the scooper, this is gonna blow your mind. Holy, that's like laundry detergent thing right there. 
You're just gonna clip, clip that in there. So we'll put two of those in. But it's a little bland, like, that's just vanilla. We don't just want vanilla. So we're gonna take some more. And then we just uh, turn this thing on here. So it's done, it's ready to go. Like, if you wanna take a little drink, you're welcome to. Go ahead. Tastes like birthday cake, huh? Really good. I told you. We, we need to go out to the grill and we need to start making some steak. Okay. Really important. Let's head to the grill. Open her up and you just kind of stick this thing in there. <laughs> Whoops. See, it's important to cook it at a very high temperature. Now I take the steaks and I throw it on there and then close it and let it cook. Now it's time for, uh, it's time for the sausage and eggs. I usually put 18 to 12 in there, so we'll just start with this 12. And you can just pound these 12 eggs. You learn how to cut them into like kind of strips, uh -huh. and then you can just eat them in one bite. So we got the eggs, we got the sausage. Anything else you need to prepare? Here's some tater tots. I'll let you make those. Yeah, and this is starting to smell delicious. Delicious. I'm going to leave this to you. Okay. I'm going to go look at the steaks. Don't want to get exploded on again. All right, these are looking really good. Get those turned there, and there you have it. <laughs> All right, it's looking good. Good. Good money. Okay, I think those are pretty much done, don't you think? Smelling is a really important part. How many calories would you smell in there? Yeah, you're looking at a couple hundred, probably. Just gonna mix up these eggs. So you put the eggs in the sausage grease. Oh yeah. You use the same thing you're using for the sausage so that it kind of tastes like sausage. Okay. Cheese. That's my favorite part. It is your favorite part. I well, I just put the whole bag in, so that was just for you. <laughs> I would say this is going to end up being more than 2,000 calories. Oh, well, the, you got 2,000 calories just in that drink right there. You're going to be around 3,000. Okay, this is looking pretty much done. Adding the sausage. Back into the mix. We're just going to lightly stir, and it's ready. I'll go grab the steaks as our little side dish. <laughs> Welcome back to the grill. Oh, these are ready to go. Whenever I'm going out on a date, I always eat a meal beforehand. Because you never know, like, what's she going to want to eat? How much is she going to want to eat? I'll have the side salad and some steak, probably. Something like that, you know, just so you look like a normal person. We're getting your plate ready here. Get some eggs on there. People think it's so weird when you order milk at a restaurant. I'm like, dude, is this Texas Roadhouse or is this Texas Roadhouse? I want a glass of milk with my steak. Okay, what's up, see? Ah, all right. Well, okay then. This has been a treat. I've learned a lot. Delicious, huh? Yeah, <laughs> delicious. If someone's trying to gain 25 pounds, what's your final bit of advice for them? Eat lots of meat, eat lots of protein, and, and lift at least three times a day, and you'll make it. And because big... It's beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you, everybody. Literally after taking one bite of that, I wow. felt I felt the weight just go <laughs> to my hips. It was absolutely incredible. Next week on Between the Lines, we are doing our second annual Not So Top 10. So follow us on Twitter at BOU underscore BTL using the hashtag BOU BTL. Brackenell that was incredible. is a national oh, treasure. He he's, is. He's awesome. Like I So... So we mixed it up on the Satake show, and Brett Pine, the sports information director, was like, hey, what if we had the El Bakri brothers? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. I've heard of Bracken's fun. Little did we know, it yield Satake show oh. and BTL and, and perhaps, you know, next fall, a 30-minute program. Show. Yeah. yeah. Who, know, who knows? Be. Who knows?
Absolutely how about, how about that grill? Just grilling no, one-on-one. He had the gas on you. way too long. But he has I, his eyebrows. I'm, no, my eyebrows were cinched. Seriously? And eyelashes. They were gone. Wow. <laughs> no, they didn't really. You, you signed the river. It, You're good. It, uh, it scared me to death. <laughs> good gravy. So. That's hilarious. It was Thanks, he's he is a national treasure. Thank, thank you, you to his parents. Awesome. I awesome. thank them on national television for bringing him into the world. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Okay, oh, coming up, a new bull projection and what's wrong with it? Uh, is there any question about loyalty with Zach Wilson coming from a long list of Utes in his family? We go two on one with one of Zach's teammates, Micah Simon, to figure that out. This is BYU Sports Nation. Ben's looking kind of serious there. Between the Lines is presented by Tim Daly Ford and the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tonight at 8 Eastern, watch or listen to BYU football with Kalani Satake as host Greg Bell chats with Satake, Austin Lee, who played at Utah, and defense coordinator Elisa Tuiaki, who coached at Utah. It's tonight at 8 Eastern on BYU TV, BYU Radio, and the apps. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, back to Harleen edition on Tuesday of awesome. Rivalry Week. And 8,000 calorie edition. We just <laughs> learned a bunch of stuff from Bracken Bakery. It's time we learned some more stuff from another BYU football player. He is a wide receiver and special team star, Micah Simon, two-on-one. What's the deal with Zach Wilson quarterbacking against the team that he used to root for? That's just one of the many topics. Here we go. BYU wide receiver, special team star, and friend of the program. Micah Simon is with us to discuss the Utah game. Maybe you heard this week you're playing Utah. I did. I did. But appreciate you for, you know, making sure I knew. Last game of the season this year and an independence that's never happened for BYU. It's typically been in September. So now you get the Utes after they've clinched their first ever Pac-12 South division title. Final game of the regular season. What do you think about playing in late November? Uh, it'll it'll still be fun, you know. The beginning of the year is what I've been used to the past few years, but you know, beginning, middle, or end, it's still it's still our most important game of the year. As players, we know that. As coaches, they know it, and uh, we're looking really excited for it. How does that affect your preparation? Knowing this game's different, um, you know, you just you really just put everything on the line. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll have some tricks up our sleeves, uh, you know, ready to lay out on the line that we've been practicing for, for a while. Not sure, when, you know, when to use them in other games. But, you know, as the last regular season game, you're, you're kind of ready to just put everything out there to get that win. I asked your coach, Kalani Satake, about the impact that weather could play in this game. Because in the forecast right now, snow is slated for Thanksgiving Day, Friday, and Saturday. If it is snowing on Saturday nights, what kind of a game do you anticipate between the Utes and the Cougars? You know, it's uh, you never want to really think about the weather, but, you know, sometimes it's kind of hard when you're just standing out there and, you know, it's snowing and your visor is wet or, you're, you're, you know, your gloves are wet, but, you know, we'll, we'll just have to adapt to it and, uh, you know, just execute whatever's called. You can't, you can't blame the weather, you know. It's, it's our job to go out there and make plays. You're three and two on the road, and you have two double-digit wins on the road. What is it about the road that has lended itself to some success for you guys this year? And that was in September. So how do you summon that September version? Yeah, um, it's something we kind of talked about as a team before earlier this year, just, you know, what do we need to do to to play the same no matter where we are, you know. And, uh, you know, we, we, came, we came up with some different things, but, you know, the only thing we really look at is just – you know, bringing that same same passion that you have, you know, kind of on the road to, you know, maybe 
um, you know, quiet the haters or, you know, the, the fans on the other team as, you know, just the same thing at home. We, you know, we're playing for, for our fans at home and, you know, we want to show them the same passion that they show us. Um, you know, they come out, they cheer for us, you know, day in and day out, you know, um, and we have to, you know, be able to be able to play well and, you know, just give them something to, to look forward to. You've been to Rice-Eccles Stadium. You've played there. You've done this with your teammates. How would you explain that experience playing in Salt Lake City in this rivalry? It's a real hostile environment. Um, it's it's a fun environment, though. You know, it's you know that's one of those stadiums that gets packed. You know, well before game time, well before kickoff, and uh, you know their their fans will be be rowdy and ready to go. But you know, it's I love games like this. Um, you know, it's it's what it's why we you know play play sports for for the for the biggest games. You've talked a lot about kind of mentoring and talking with Zach Wilson. You know, giving him a hard time, and whatnot. This is a kid that grew up a Utah fan. Now he's gonna play. For BYU against Utah, what are what's maybe something you might say to him this week to encourage him to be his best self Saturday? Just tell him to just just to be himself. You know he's he's done that ever since he stepped on campus here. Um, he hasn't changed for anybody, and uh, that's one thing that you know I I like about Zach is that you know he'll he'll just you know play it straight, you know keep his head on right, and uh, we'll just go out there and perform to the best of his ability. So I'll just tell him to keep keep preparing like he always does, and uh, he'll play just fine. Keep reminding him he's in blue too, right? Yeah, I know. He, he might. I mean, his dad might sit in his uh, maybe his Utah season ticket holder seats or something. <laughs> do you think? Do you think Big Mike's gonna wear blue on Saturday? I would hope so, right? Yeah, he will. I'll, yeah. I'll give him a call. And make sure he does, though. Okay. Okay. You mentioned Zach lowering the cadence of his voice in the huddle as well. Is that something that we're we're still working on as as an offense with the quarterback? Yeah, he he likes to blame it that sometimes he'll be a little sick or a little under the weather. But I'm like, bro. You're, you're still 19, so it's okay. He's a teenager. Exactly, you know. So he just has to get in there, you know, blue 80, blue 80. No. <laughs> Micah, uh, we wish you the best of luck against Utah. And with all the power that we can muster All up, the karma all the we karma, can give you. We are, we are giving it to you and BYU football for good things in Salt Lake City on Saturday night. Appreciate that. Appreciate that for real. Thank you, guys. Micah Simon. Junior special teams guy, wide receiver. In fact, I think he's been the special teams player of the week for a couple of weeks running. He's made an impact, a nice impact there. Absolutely. Coming up, a new bowl projection for the Cougars and why it won't happen. Here <laughs> he's going to a bowl. It just won't be this bowl. Okay. And Brandon Davies still has it rolling overseas, Jerem. That's just one small part of the whip. This is BYU Sports Nation. Would you say he's rolling, rolling, rolling? Yes. Rolling, rolling. Shout out to today's guest, John Beck, Brackenell Bathroom. this guy! And Micah Simon. If you missed any of the show, download the podcast. Go to BYUSN.com to watch full episodes. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, although we need to summon our eagle powers and uh, do what you did and beat Utah. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. BYU football at Utah this week. Countdown to kickoff starts at 9 Eastern time. The Cougars trying to snap a seven-game losing streak to the Utes. Stuart Mandel of The Athletic has BYU playing Cincinnati in the Birmingham Bowl on December 22nd. The Bowl pits an American Athletic Conference team versus the ninth-place SEC team. However, the SEC already has 10 bowl-eligible teams. Questions if they get two into the college football playoff, then maybe a spot opens up? I don't think so. Brett McMurphy has BYU facing Florida International in the First Responders Bowl on December 26th in Dallas. That bowl is contracted for the Big Ten 8th or ninth place team versus an ACC or Conference USA team. But the Big Ten currently has seven bowl-eligible teams at the moment. 
men's basketball. BYU signs Bernardo Da Silva, a six foot nine forward from Brasil. While playing for the Utah Mountain Stars during the summer of 2018, Da Silva averaged almost 15 points, nine rebounds, and 2.3 blocks a game. BYU hosts Rice tomorrow at 9 Eastern live on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Women's basketball. BYU Women's Hoops faces Utah State tonight in Logan, 9 Eastern time. They also announced the signing of Leilani Otuafu and Kyra Beckman. Moving on to volleyball. Volleyball. Yes, we shall. Top-ranked BYU plays LMU tonight in Los Angeles. The regular season finale, a chance to wrap up a perfect regular season. Watch it on the W.TV at 10 Eastern. Cougars in the NFL. Daniel Sorensen had two tackles and a 54-51 Chiefs loss to the L.A. Rams of <laughs> Anaheim of St. Louis in the highest-scoring Monday Night Football game ever. 54-51. BYU holds its blue and white intra-squad scrimmage for gymnastics today at 3 Eastern in the Smithfield House. Cougars overseas. Brandon Davies had 19 points and four rebounds in a 102-61 Zalgiris win in Lithuania. Today's rise and shout. For me, goes to Bracken L. Bakri, Jerem. Uh, one, Amazing. I think he's an incredible TV Amazing. personality and food host. And he has brought us so many laughs and so many smiles over the he's past awesome. few weeks. Fantastic. He is a breath of fresh air for sure. 8,500 calories. Goodness. Our question of the day. If BYU beats Utah on Saturday, then what? The Elite Voice of the Day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, celebrating 50 years at CL underscore Living Answers. Then Daryl stays home from church on Sunday. But we want Daryl there, let's be honest. <laughs> Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUS. What about your friends from accounting, though? Don't you need them to uh, oh, show up to work on Monday? See, you'll see them Monday. <laughs> Either way. Accounting, they're always there. <laughs> No days oh, off. for Jerem, I am Spencer. And for our new desk, thank you, everyone. Shout out to Zach Colley, a split 59. Go Coops.